Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Healing a journey to wholeness with J.R. Thicklin is coming back right after this. You're listening to the Soul of America Radio LLC. This is the one and only Sword.
Yes, and welcome and welcome to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Ficklin, and I'm so glad that you've joined us on this first Monday in the month of February 2013. I trust that you've had a very productive day. And listen, one day after the Super Bowl, and I'm telling you, just complete, complete excitement that is in the air for definitely those that are Baltimore Raven fans and uh, those that are San Francisco 49ers fan. Uh, you have nothing to be ashamed of. You played a tremendous game. And uh, what a uh, great turnout of uh, the whole Super Bowl was star, uh, definitely it was star-lustered in every way, in every single manner, over 70-something thousand people there live at the Superdome in New Orleans, not to mention the over 40 million people that watched it by television. And uh, regardless of who you were or who you are, there was something at the Super Bowl, I think, for everyone, um, those of you that got a chance to see the halftime show. Um, I think the Super Bowl, ever since the year that uh, uh, the Janet Jackson and the uh, Justin Timberlake fiasco, they've been very cautious in terms of what they do and who they bring on and the things that are happening in, uh, in the entertainment. And I think that most people would agree that uh, from start to finish yesterday was absolutely a tremendous uh, Super Bowl show uh, there from the very beginning there with um, Alicia Keys and her rendition of America the Beautiful, uh, should I say Alicia Keys and her and rendition of the National Anthem, and also Jennifer Hudson and those 26 children from Sandy Hook's Elementary School. I think that itself was a, it, it, it was a symbol of what generally happens in this country, that in the midst of tragedy, we find a way. We find a way to bounce back. We find a way to, to, to uh, let the enemy know that we're not going out like that and that we you know that we're going to be united and we're going to stand strong and we're going to be the people that we're called to be and that we're not going to stop loving and that we're not going to allow fear to uh, uh, control who we are. So it's an amazing thing today that even as we are here uh, live on Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness, and I do thank uh, not only our producer but uh, our president, Mr. Stallings, for uh, uh, getting us straightened out here through technical difficulties and all the other things that so often happen when we are dealing with uh, radio or dealing with any type of technical thing. But we're all signed in. We're all live. We're all uh, good today, and I'm just so glad to have you on today. And once again, I, I want to say this to you all, uh, and I said this about the Super Bowl being a great Super Bowl, and indeed it was. Uh, listen, it was a lot of excitement inside of the Super Bowl. It was a lot of things there um, that I believe that people uh, will, will – um, Take home. I mean, there's so many underlining stories, not just the retirement of Ray Lewis, uh, not just the fact of the uh, Harbaugh, the Harbaugh brothers versing one another, but I think there were some other things there. I think that we saw some things inside of that Super Bowl that really uh, spoke to us in terms of volumes of sometime in life how we find ourselves, you know, down, and yet it's still we're not out. And so we saw that after halftime. Uh, what a tremendous display of what we saw uh, taking place there on the field. And I'm telling you, it was absolutely a tremendous game. It was a tremendous night. It was a tremendous event. And uh, I think no one walked away, well, I would consider no one walked away 
uh, totally disappointed because I think that uh, what we saw was a great show of sportsmanship. I think that what we saw was not only a great uh, show of sportsmanship, but we saw some things that was absolutely uh, fan- uh, fantastic and spectacular. We saw a lot of heart. We saw a lot of uh, people that really showed some class, and I believe not only that, we sh- we saw a real display uh, of a. Uh, uh, sportsmanship and, if you would, respect that came not only from uh, the brothers, but I think there was a great deal of respect that came from every one of those individuals there. And I would love to go on and continue to talk about the Super Bowl, but the reality is, folks, that uh, as great a time Super Bowl is, you know, unfortunately, uh, according to uh, most of the latest research statistics around uh, issues of domestic violence, that domestic violence hotlines and centers receive more calls during the Super Bowl and during that Sunday than they do on average during any other time in any other period during the year. And so that goes to show you that a lot of things happen during that time. Uh, the need of the need of power, control, dominance, uh, people oftentimes with uh, over compelling spirits, and so, there are just so many things that are happening as that go along. So I want you tonight uh, to stay tuned. We're going to have a great show for you tonight. We're going to have a few special guests that are going to be with us later on in the show tonight, and we invite you as always to join us on the telephone line with your calls. If you're calling in, you can call in at area code 323-784-9638. That's area code 323-784-9638. If you're listening to us there on the Internet there at uh, com, right there, Hope and Healing, uh, that's where you'll find us. And I'm so glad that you're listening with us today. I have so many friends that are listening out there uh, in a uh, – you know, it's a great thing tonight. It's a great thing to be on. Uh, it's a great thing to get an opportunity to share. Um, so uh, the thing about it is I want you to know this. In the midst of all the things that are happening, in the midst of all the things that we're seeing going on, in the midst of all the uh, challenges, there is hope. And I want tonight to be about really reaching out to those, and I need not only to reach out to those that are survivors, or those that have family members, or those that have coworkers, a family that have suffered at the hands of domestic violence and other related abuses. I need them to reach out to. I need them to reach out because of fact to someone that's listening, a survivor out there, your story can make the difference in someone's life. Your story can be the difference between someone uh, giving up or hanging on. Someone needs to know that you can get out of an abusive relationship. Someone need to know that you can survive. Someone needs to know that you uh, can go on and there is life after the abuse. So I want to first all, first and foremost, I want to really encourage you tonight that are listening to definitely be a part of what's going on. I want you to reach out. I want you to reach out to others. Uh, you know, uh, uh, this will uh, encourage someone else. This will not only encourage someone else, but it will give them the wherewithal to continue on. So tonight, as you're listening to Hope and Healing, uh, Journey to Holders, right here on the Soul of America Radio, I am your host, J.R. Thicklin, and I'm so glad that you're with us this afternoon. So as we're going forth in this, I want to take the time, because so many times when we think of domestic violence, we often begin to think of domestic violence as solely being an issue that happens between a man and a woman, or a husband and wife, or boyfriend and girlfriend. But we have to understand domestic violence is even in of itself, that we need to understand that uh, uh, 
even in of itself, domestic violence occurs between family members as well. And unfortunately, uh, here in the South Florida area where I am stationed, where I am, we had a very horrific incident that happened over the weekend where uh, a father uh, actually killed his two sons, allegedly allegedly straining, uh, actually uh, a strangulation of both of those young men, and then he killed himself in front of the mother and so in front of his wife and so we see these vicious acts that are happening and yet it's still uh the response that is so needed and the response uh that must happen we're not always seeing it happen in the manner that it should we're not seeing it happen in the manner that is um applicable and so so we definitely want to be able to address those issues and even more so i want to reach out to those that are listening today and i'm here to say where are where are the messengers? What is happening inside of your community? Those of you that are the community of color, the African American community, how far does domestic violence reach inside of our community? And then not only how far does it reach, the reality is are we getting the message in our communities? Are we looking to see the far devastating reach and the impact that is happening to our families, that is happening to our communities, because you've got to understand uh, that domestic violence is destroying us on every hand, and it's destroying generations, and it's destroying futures, it's destroying so much, and we have to be willing and ready to be able to make a difference, and we've got to be willing to step in, and we've got to be willing to uh, share, and I am looking tonight, I am reaching out to men, I'm reaching out to men that will stand up, men that will say I'm not afraid, I'm not ashamed to say domestic violence is wrong, and that I want to stand and be counted as a man that will stand against domestic violence. Listen, we're getting ready to go to, to the break, but right on the other side of the break, I want you, I want you to call in, I want you to share with us tonight, uh, we're right here on Soul of America Radio, Erico 323-784-9638. I'll see you on the other side of the break. Radio, go to soulofamericaradio.com for more information. Hello, this is Tony Starling, founder and CEO of the Soul of America Radio. I wanted to take this time to thank you for your patience as we went through a period of time where we did not broadcast for probably about a month. We had some technical issues that we have since worked out 
And now we are ready to bring you the best in Soulful Talk Radio. Tonight's program is J.R. Ziegler, who brings you hope and healing on Journey to Wholeness. We have more programming coming up, brand new shows, I promise you that. But you stay tuned right here on the Soul of America Radio. And thank you for all of the wonderful correspondence through cards, emails, and everything else we received, saying that you want us back. We are back. This is the one and only, Soar. And now here's your host, J.R. Sigler. Happening. 
And I don't want us to think of it in terms as always just a big event that is happening because, unfortunately, domestic violence is happening way, absolutely way too often. You know, on on, on a scale of every every 12 seconds in this country, a female is battered in a domestic violence incident. Every six hours, one is killed at the hand of an intimate partner. So what do we know? We know that domestic violence is occurring way too often. We know that it's destroying lives, it's destroying future, it's destroying families, it is destroying people daily. And I'm saying you have no idea how frightening it could be, how uh, how devastating it is in the life of not only the victim, but those that are connected to victim. And I'm quite sure tonight, as I look at here on the calls and on the board, there are many of you that are out there that are listening tonight. I would love to hear from you. Because many of you know of someone, and perhaps you're a child, perhaps you're now an adult, but you was one that lived through domestic violence in your childhood. You have something to say. You have something that you can share that can make a difference with someone else. So I encourage you tonight, I encourage you to share with us tonight. I encourage you, you don't even have to give your name, but we'll like to have you to share because of the fact it will help somebody. And perhaps you know someone right now that's in an abusive relationship and you don't know what to do, and perhaps you don't know what to say. You ought to give us a call here, area code 323-784-9638. That's area code 323-784-9638, and it's going to make a difference. We are here because we believe that not only is there hope, but there is healing. Do one get out of a domestic violence situation overnight? No, that doesn't generally happen. It's not an overnight. You don't get out of it overnight, and yet it's still you don't get in it overnight as well. So there is stages that even once one is out of an abusive relationship, is that how do I now move forward? How do I move on? How do I get through the healing process? And that is major because, in fact, in order to get through the healing process, one must uh, one must begin to not only embrace their life, embrace their importance, embrace, embrace their destiny and their purpose. And I want to encourage you tonight, I want to really encourage you tonight that are listening under the sound of our voice to go forth, to step out, to break the silence about domestic violence. Break the silence about domestic violence because it is an equal opportunity destroyer. I probably need to say that one more time. It is an equal opportunity destroyer. It is not discriminating. It is not being shamed. It is not uh, hiding its hand. And we have to speak up. We have to speak out. We have to speak loud and continue to raise this issue. If we don't raise it in our community, then who will? Are we going to wait to the next funeral, the next procession? You know, it has to come to a point in time where we're not just there to uh, have T-shirts with the picture of our loved one on it saying rest in peace at the time of a funeral. But it's time now that we raise awareness and that we begin to not only um, encourage one another but educate our community about the perils of domestic violence and, and the devastation that it does because no one wins. I think I should say that again. No one wins inside of domestic violence situation. No one, absolutely no one wins inside of domestic violence. And when, if no one wins, that means that everyone loses because there is no excuse for it. There's no justification for it. There's no reason for it. And we have to take that type of stand so that we can begin to not only save our future, but so that we can also begin to uh, teach the next generation 
that there is no excuse for abuse. There's absolutely, and I do mean absolutely, positively, no excuse for abuse. And we have to take that message. We have to keep that message going loud, and we must keep that message alive. And I'm challenging you that are out there listening tonight, and you're out there. I see you on the board. I know that you're there on the Internet. And I want you to have the courage, especially I'm calling out to men tonight. I'm calling out to men who will take a stand, but I'm also calling out to men. Maybe you're listening tonight, and maybe you've had a brother, uh, maybe you've had a, uh, a niece, uh, maybe you have had a sister, uh, maybe you've had a loved one in your family that have been a victim of domestic violence. What position did it put you in? How did it impact you? And then how is it that you interacted inside of this situation? It is a good place to start. There you go, 323-784-9638. If you have something to say, you'd like to participate, hit the number one on your key pad there and our producer will let us know that you want to get in and we will let you in and we definitely like to hear we would like to hear from you tonight we would like to not only hear from you we would like to hear uh you know exactly how did you find yourself in it and what did what was your response in Saba tonight so Eric code 323-784-9638 that's the number you can reach us at tonight on Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. And so as we are talking about this whole weekend, we're talking about how the weekend has gone and the Super Bowl, and yet it's still for some people the Super Bowl was not a very good time for them. It was a time uh, that they saw violence escalate even at home. And so what I want to do tonight, and we do have a caller on the airwaves uh, that is holding there, and we're going to get right to your caller, a number ending in 5011. We're going to get you on in just one minute. Um, as I was just saying to you that are listening tonight, is that domestic violence is something real. It happens to people. And here's the thing about it. It happens to people from every walk of life. It's not something that you can look at somebody and say, well, they look like a victim of domestic violence, no more than you can look at someone and say they look like a perpetrator. But what I do know and what we do know is that no one deserves to be abused. No one deserves it. But tonight I'm reaching out to those, those who have gone through or know someone that have gone through and those that have overcome and have survived and those that have an urgency in their heart, in their mind, in their spirit to, uh, to really to uh, sound the alarm against domestic violence, those that have an urgency to make a difference, those that want to not only make a difference, but those that want to stand, and those that want to not only let their voice be heard, but those that are saying enough is absolutely enough. And so um, what I'm saying to you tonight as we reach out tonight is that let's make a stand and let's stand against domestic violence. We're so glad to have a caller on the line, and I'm so glad caller number ending 5011. Welcome welcome tonight to Hopi Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. Thank you so very much. You're on the air. Hello. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you tonight? I'm great. I'm great. How does this issue of domestic violence in, impact you? And do you think that we're that, that that we're doing enough as a people? And I specifically even say as a people of color. Uh, what do you think uh, is happening? And what would be your take on this? Um, I am a 24 year survivor. Um, I encountered domestic violence 20, 24 years ago while in college for approximately two and a half to three years. And my experience was very, very unpleasant. It was new to me. I was That was my first uh, serious relationship of being away from home, being away from mom and dad. Um, 
I'm the oldest of four children, so I didn't have any uh, older siblings or, you know, anyone, like, older than me that would guide me through or give me warning signs. So I was totally oblivious to what I had gotten myself into. So that's something that I kept to myself. Um, A lot of my classmates saw what I was going through. But in listening and remembering your conversation from last last week, um, there are many people that don't want to get involved. They see what what happens with couples or whatever, but they don't they choose not to get involved because number one, you know, it's two it's two sides, you know, in my opinion. Um, families don't really like to get involved because nine times out of ten, that person I'm not gonna just um uh focus on one sex, but either either person may go back to that relationship. And the other is the other side of the coin. People don't want to get involved because they feel that, you know, it's going to be some type of repercussions if they do involve themselves. So let me ask um, you a question because you, you said something interesting and there's so many dynamics. For you, your your incident of violence started when you were in college. And I, I just want to, you know, I, I want the uh, callers to hear this and those that are listening to hear this because the fact, here it is, you're going off to college. I mean, you, when we go off to college, I mean, that's that next big major step in life. You know, our future is ahead of us. You know, we're leaving home, those that leave home to go to college. So, you know, it's all a part of that growing up stage and then you find yourself in a uh, your first serious relationship and it ended up being abusive, would you say that you experienced both the feeling of uh, fear as well as the fact of just uncertainty? Because those are some real emotions there. You know, freedom has a way of making us feel great. You know, you know, right. we're away from home. We're no longer under mom, dad's roof. Uh, roof right. We don't have those set of rules. And so now that part of independency that we were looking for, in your case, now has been compromised Immediately. Um, like again, I didn't know um, what to look for at the very beginning stage. Um, it was a wow, you know, wow. This is what this, you know, college life is. This is what a relationship entails. Um, he whined and dined me. It was so nice. Um, then it was getting to the compliments. Okay, um, so it's totally new to me. But then the compliments started to turn into remarks um, or put not really putting me down but criticizing, you know, your your clothes or the way that my hair was or this is too tight, you shouldn't wear this. And then from that point, um, it was if you if I can't have you, can't nobody else have you. If you ever leave me, I kill you. I, I thought it was a joke. You know, I, oh, he loves me. That's so sweet. You know, he feels that, that way about me. And then the, my very first encounter, I remember like it was yesterday, We were, I'm out with the girls having fun. I guess I was supposed to be in my dorm room, and when he noticed that, you know, I'm out hanging out with everyone else, it was a slap. And it was like a chastisement to me, you know, as if he was my dad. And then wow. here it is, 10 minutes later, we're having sex. Wow. And, I, you know, it was a shock. And then from that... Um, and I I could go on and on. From that, I've been uh, kicked out of a moving truck, pushed down a flight of stairs, um, just belittled and drugged in front of people. Um, on my job, he was out of the cashier at Publix. He was staying right next to 
uh, the cash register in, you know, my whole shift or, you know, to make sure no one's talking to me. Um, he, he has come through my window. He knocked me and my friend out, you know, uh, we were running through the dorm like it's a, a horror movie or something. But the last, the last thing, and I compared this incident to uh, one of the scenes in What's Love Got to Do With It, I fought back. I never fought back, but the the last time he hit me was when he cracked my ribs. And that's when I fought back. And a lot of things I did not share with my mom, but it was just I kept going back. And in between those two and three years, you know, we break up, and then he'll apologize, and I love you. I don't want to be with nobody but you. I've lost two kids, um, both in 1989 and in 90, you wow. know. And um, it was just to the point that I I was tired. I I was tired, and so when I was tired, you know, it got to the point where I didn't care about how I looked. My grades were slipping. You know, I just kind of lost sight of who I was, and so now I have turned that into a positive because even with my sorority, um, I talk to young girls because it's so prevalent even in middle school because a lot of kids model what they see, and it's so hush-hush. You know, uh, people are scared to come out, and I can relate to that. And one thing that I remember, I was one of the ones who would say, oh, if it were me, I would never do X, Y, and Z. So I want to say to whomever is listening, don't ever say what you will never do until you're in that situation. Now, let me say this, because powerful. I mean, I'm literally here blown away because you you described so much there. And for those of you that may just be tuning in, you're listening to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness, right here on Soul of America Radio. I'm your host, J.R. Thickman, and we're just glad to have a caller that is called in tonight who is a survivor of domestic violence. And there are so many angles, so many angles to go at, Uh, the fact that there you are, in college and all these things that are supposed to be so exciting about college life and you find yourself in an abusive relationship and I heard you say to be kicked out of a moving truck, to be yeah. kicked down flights of stairs, to have these type things happen, uh, to have someone to crack your ribs and have someone to literally stalk you on your job. And let let me ask this question. I'm mm-hmm. assuming this is a person who's also in college. Yes, he was. So you're talking about, you know, and I say this, and not even being sarcastic, but so many times people are quick to put in a category who they think victims or perpetrators of domestic violence is. We tend to think that, well, they're not educated, they're, you know, you're people that don't have much hope, you're people that are down on this and down on the luck, and we have it wrong. Because there are so many times that we do see domestic violence escalate in college life. We see it escalate. I've had the opportunity uh, um, uh, just a couple of years back, and I went up to Bethune-Cookman University there in Daytona Beach, uh, Florida, and I actually did a training there for the resident assistants about uh, de- about dating violence for, for that very reason. Because so often here are young people that have left home for the very first time, and now they have this freedom that they've never had before, and 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 you're doing what you're told to do. It's fun. You're exploring life. You know, you've got a boyfriend or you have a girlfriend, and you you know it, it's supposed to be fun. But no one anticipates these type of things. And I and I heard what you said, and I want to just reiterate it for the sake of the callers there, and for those that are listening out there. And by the way, if you'd like to join in on this call. 
area code 323-784-9638, and just hit the number one, and we will acknowledge you. And I'm going to ask our, our caller to hold on. I definitely want her if she doesn't mind uh, entertaining okay. some questions or comments or whatever uh, sure. to stay on with us. But if you're listening tonight out there, once again, area code 323-784-9638, please feel free uh, hit the number one on your keypad, and uh, definitely would like to just have some dialogue here. But I, I want to go back because of the fact all of these things are happening to you. And you said mm-hmm. something that is so real is that you begin to lose sight and lose sense of yourself. And it's interesting when you go from one dynamic to the other. In the beginning of a relationship, being wine, being dying, all the great things that one looks for. And it's part of the infatuation at first that, that captures yeah that captures you, and you see those things. And then you start seeing subtle things, you know, subtle mm-hmm. things. It's almost like the name-calling without really name-calling, the put-down without directly putting down. Then it became controlling in the sense of the fact that now, you know, I don't want you hanging out with other people. Uh, I kind of control what you do. So now right. I'm, I'm, I'm chastising you. I slap you, and so I'm letting you know it's not going to happen like that. And so the control part happens. And, and when you found yourself in that situation, did, where, did you ever find yourself in a place where you're saying, well, you know, this is just a phase that he's going through. It'll end. You know, uh, you know, he's just upset now. Or, or how how do you recall uh, yourself feeling at that time? Um, there were times when I did feel that way. However, he shared a lot of experiences of things that he saw at home as a child, and his father was very abusive toward his mother to the point where she was shot while pregnant. Wow. So. I think that he thought this was the norm. This was the norm. And to my knowledge, um, some years back, he was dating a young lady. Um, I found out that, you know, um, it's just casual conversation with with a former roommate of his that he's still beating up on women, you know. So it's to the point where um, I don't know if he's still with the young lady, but for me, I got tired. And... If I, I think I was so low at one point, you know, I considered dropping out of school. I just didn't. My self-esteem was gone. And um, had I not, you know, prayed about it and, and just really, really um, looked at myself and looked at my purpose, um, I have now a Ph.D. So yeah. wow. it, it's, it's, um, it, it's, a, it's a surreal experience. And, and I promised God the last time that he hit me that if he got me out of this, that I would share my story whenever I had the chance. And I and I do that. You know, awesome. um, I work with the youth. Um, and I, I just, I don't mind sharing my story. A lot of people don't, don't want to because they don't want people to judge them um, based on their past. I don't have a problem with that because if I can help somebody, because nobody told me what to look out for. And so now um, I found myself, you know, in the community talking to young girls. And they called, and I, you know, I give them my number, my email, and I always get calls and asking, you know, well, my boyfriend said this. Should I look for that? And I always tell them, you don't supposed to answer to nobody but your parents. Exactly. You know, don't let someone say, well, you better be home when I call. Or why you didn't answer the phone when I called, you know, things like that. And they think it's cute, but, you know, I said that's a, that's a 
red flag, you know. And you talked about that because that's so important. Are those red flags and so many things, and, and this is one of those things when we talk about domestic violence can also be uh, not only cyclical, meaning it continues to go on in this cycle, mm-hmm. but oftentimes we have to be very careful because when children are exposed to this, mm-hmm. they actually interpret this or internalize this as being the norm. This is what's supposed right. to happen. So in many cases, the young ladies will get involved in abusive relationships, and you know what? They see that. They see they that happen. It's okay. They think it's okay. They see that period, you know, okay, that was the abuse, that was the violence that happened, but then they disappeared in the proverbial bedroom, and, you know, mm-hmm. and then everybody come back out smiling, everything was all right. So it becomes part of the, you know, uh, of the norm of what happens. But the devastating effect of this goes so far because of the fact of future relationships, how you look at yourself it damages self-esteem. Oftentimes it damages hope. It damages the way that you even see yourself for a period of time. And so it does take, it takes not only, it takes people that are willing uh, to uh, to stand up and to speak out, even as yourself, to say, listen, that's where I was, but that's not where I am now. Yes, I right. went through the pain. You went through all those things, but I got through it, and I'm out of it now. And that is what is the most effective thing, is that people that have gotten out, people that have experienced it, that are now on the other side of it, that is saying that you can get out of an abusive relationship, you deserve right. better, and you can live. And so that that's the message that I hear that you're saying that you spread. Let me ask exactly. you a question, because you say you work with kids, you work in the system with young people. How How... How important do you think it is? I mean, and we we don't see enough of it. I know we don't. That how important it is that we begin to see programs in our schools, in our community centers, even in our churches to address this issue because so many people act like it doesn't exist, but we know that it does. It's very important. It is very important. What I'm finding, um, what I I did find, and what I'm I still find is that they're still scared to speak up. Wow. They're scared to speak up. Um, they don't want anyone to know. You know, wow. um, a lot of the experiences that I've had, you know, um, if I talk in a group, if I address a group, like mm-hmm. I said, um, there was a time where I addressed, our sorority has a youth group for high school girls, and I brought an outside organization to come in and, do, you know, do a little seminar. But before the seminar started, I asked the question, same thing that you do, I asked, do you know someone or have you ever experienced um, domestic violence? And very few, they, they did raise their hand, and I told them I was going to come back at the end of the presentation because I had one speaker, I, you know, in addition to the young lady who facilitated the workshop. I didn't say who, not knowing that it was me. And wow. after that, I sh- I've shared some very raw experiences. I mean, it wasn't a dry eye in the house. And I asked that question again. Do you know someone that was a victim or is a victim of domestic violence? You know, um, and after that particular workshop, I probably got like five calls out of 75 girls that they were experiencing that. I mean, one girl in particular, both of her parents are very prominent attorneys here in Palm Beach County. Wow. And it happens. You 
And it happens, and it's those type barriers that are there oftentimes, and those are the layers, you know, from the outside looking in, and we do have another person that's on. We're going to get to you and invite you into this conversation on around the other side of the break. We're going to take a break in just one minute. But I want to say this before we take the break. It's, you know, when we look at so many layers, and you said it earlier, is that a lot of times people say that I would never go through that. I wouldn't allow it to happen. And the reality is you don't know what you will go through. You don't know how it's going to happen because it doesn't dress itself up. It doesn't dress itself up. You don't always see it coming. So we want to talk about that on the other side of the break. Uh, keep holding there if you want to get in on the call, Eric O33. Excuse me, area code 323-784-9638, area code 323-784-9638. Hit the number one, and we'll get you on uh, the airway, and we'll see you right on the other side of the break. You're listening to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. This is J.R. Thicklin here on Soul of America Radio. I'll see you right on the other side of the break. Been healing a journey to wholeness with J.R. Thicklin is coming back right after this. You're listening to the Soul of America Radio LLC. This is the one and only Soul. in her lifetime. Every year, nearly three million children witness domestic violence right in their homes. Domestic violence is most likely to occur between the hours of 6 p.m. and 6 a.m. More than 60% of domestic abuse incidents happen right at home. Survivors of domestic violence face high rates of depression, sleep disturbance, anxiety, flashbacks, and other emotional distress. If you or someone that you know is a victim of domestic violence, or if you think someone is, reach out to them. Journey to Wholeness with J.R. Thicklin is coming back right after this. You're listening to the Soul of America Radio, LLC. This is the one and only Soul. 
one in four women will experience domestic violence in her lifetime. Every year, nearly three million children witness domestic violence right in their homes. Domestic violence is most likely to occur between the hours of 6 p.m. and 6 a.m. More than 60% of domestic abuse incidents happen right at home. Survivors of domestic violence face high rates of depression, sleep disturbance, anxiety, flashbacks, and other emotional distress. If you or someone that you know is a victim of domestic violence, or if you think someone is, reach out to them. If you are a victim, reach out to somebody. You can call the National Hotline right now at 1-800-799-7233. That's 1-800-799-7233. If you didn't have a chance to write that number down, call Jay Thicklin right now at 1-323-784-9638. Right now at 323-784-9638. And now, Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness, continues with your host, J.R. Thicklin. And thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so very much, Tony. And thank you for listening to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. Uh, uh, I'm your host, J.R. Thicklin, right here on the Soul of America radio show. And I uh, thank you. I, I pray and trust that you got a chance to write down those numbers there. All important information there about domestic violence. And uh, just before the break, we have had a caller on the line who is a survivor of domestic violence who have shared a very brave and a very chilling story of her life and her time of domestic violence. And I'm so glad that you're with us. Those of you that are listening uh, today, if you'd like to have a comment, I'd like to speak to uh, our guests or like to uh, uh, be able to share a thought, uh, all you have to do is dial area code 323-784-9638, and you hit the number one, and we'll acknowledge your call there and get you on the air. I am thankful for all of you that are listening by Internet, uh, directly by Internet, those of you that are sending messages, even as we're going forth on the show, uh, that is uh very much. Uh, we appreciate that and appreciate your thoughts. Uh, we're back with our guest today. I'm calling your guest because uh, you called in, and definitely it's a uh, it is definitely uh, that type of feel because uh, we are very appreciative that you've taken the time to share uh, with this audience about what you've experienced and the things that you've gone through with domestic violence. And uh, and I'm uh, so glad to have you back with us. Uh, you're on the air. Feel free to share. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know what else you want me to say. 
Well, you know, there's so much that you've shared inside of your experience, inside of what you've went through, and to find yourself literally uh, not only a college student at that time, uh, finding yourself uh, in fear and danger for your life, mm-hmm. Uh, literally not only being stalked but being abused on every point. And I, I guess yes. my question would be: you, you said something. Uh, you said something about the fact that you found out that his his father had shot his mother during pregnancy. Yes. And I guess yes. my question was: at what point of the dating relationship did you find out that information? Um. Oh, I can't recall. If that was just like in casual conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember if it was before the abuse started, um, but I do remember him telling me, you know, different stories of things that he had um, experienced being in the house. Wow. Um, yeah. So, you know, sometimes I just felt like, um, like you said, he's going through a phase, you know, he'll never do it again because that's what he told me. You know, I'm sorry I'll never hit you again, but... If they hit you once, they'll hit you again and again and again. And um, so you have to be, you know, some a lot of times it's easy to say, well, be aware of the red flags. But if you don't know what the red flags are, you don't know what to be aware of. And so, therefore, you know, as you listen, I mean, I mean, in retrospect, what would you say now? What would be some red flags? Uh, would you say you now recognize some red flags uh, now that you didn't recognize when you were uh, first involved? Um, for instance, you know, if they can't locate you within a certain uh, period of time, um, if they're constantly questioning um, who you're with, why you're with them, what took you so long. Um, nowadays, you know, back then it was we, we had cell phones, but they weren't as popular. There wasn't social media. So now what I'm saying, because I was once an administrator with the school district, here and so now what i see um it's more along the lines of social media you know they go on each other's pages to see who's talking to you or um who's been texting you or you know things like that um that a lot of young girls they they take for granted and they just take it as that he loves me he's he, he just he don't want me to talk to anybody else he loves me and i'm like no you know, you you can. I just need them to be a little more vigilant okay. um, in terms of their conversations and the company that they keep. You know, um, and I, I just, I don't know. It, it, it's it's crazy. It, it's really crazy. You know? How much of it would you say that? How much of it would you say uh, uh, that to young ladies, especially? How how important is them really learning to love themselves first and foremost? Very, very important. If you don't love yourself, you know, how are you going to recognize when someone else genuinely loves you? Um, yeah, because we do see that happening where, you know, and I, I, I found it to happen so often in my years of dealing with uh, teens and dealing with youth and dealing with uh, young adults where the fact that, as you said, one might misinterpret all this attention as being mm-hmm. love when it's really control. It's uh, exactly. talking, you know, who you've been with, uh, you know, who's texting you, who's who's exactly. calling you. Uh, you know, uh, listen, you didn't answer the phone. I've called you twice now, and you didn't answer the phone. You know, uh, wow, I left your message 10 minutes ago. You didn't, you know, and, and depends on where one 
is even within their own sense of self. They might mm-hmm. interpret that as this person just really being into them when the reality is is that person is really uh, not only controlling, they're abusive, they're, possess- they're very possessive, and it, right. it is sometimes a very blurred line for people to see. Right, right. Um, and what, what I find, too, that sometimes people that are that way, they have a lot of insecurities within themselves. Absolutely. But how do we find that out? Because let's look at it on both ways. We okay. all know that sometimes people can dress, people can dress, people can do all those things to actually masquerade their their hurt, their pain, their insecurity. Uh, you know, uh, the guy who has to have a big, a big car, a fancy this, a lot of time could be. And I'm not saying every guy who has a big car, a fancy car, this is the case. But a lot of time it could be masquerading things that they're mm-hmm. deficient in. And so, yeah. therefore, you know, we have to recognize that simply because of appearance doesn't mean that a person is not abusive or not controlling. Uh, uh, the need to really hear, to listen to what is being said, and I would say even listen to what's not being said uh, is is important as we get to know people. And I don't know if that's old-fashioned now, getting to know people. I don't, I'm not so sure how much stock, you know, how much uh, stock people put into getting to know people. It's kind of like right. I came, I saw, and I went. And when uh, yeah. it's got to be more than that uh, if you're going to really get to know who a person is and and what you know what they're about. I, I totally totally agree that they really need to get to know. Um, a lot of these relationships now, I, w- I call them microwave relationships. You know, you meet on Monday, you really care about them on Wednesday, and you're in love on Friday. <laughs> and, <laughs> and you don't, it, you know, you don't give themselves way. a chance. Yeah, it happens. And, it happens. And, and, and once a person feels like they're in love and they've fallen in love, oftentimes they can't see the forest for the trees. Uh, exactly. And at that point, they don't want to see anything negative. They don't want to hear anything negative. They want everyone to see this person as being great, and, and oftentimes, regardless of who have warned them of them. And that brings us to a very interesting point, is the fact of when you're away, you know, you're away from home or you're away from people that love you or care about you, it's got to be even more, it's got to be even more challenging and more difficult. We all know that, you know, oftentimes family members can discern or they they can meet a person and say, you know, something about him I just don't like. And you know, I heard and, that and all. I heard it all. You heard it all. And it was, I heard it all, just, and it was <laughs> like the more my parents um, went against my relationship with him, it pushed me more towards him, and I rebelled constantly, constantly, constantly. So that meant a lot of times that when things happened, I kept it from them. Exactly. Um, you know, so I did have family members in the town where I attended school, um, and I did involve a couple of my family members when he would hit me or things like that, and after a while they looked at me as the boy, the little boy who cried wolf. Wow. Because they would get involved constantly, but then I find myself going back no matter what. So they stopped getting involved. So that goes back to what you said earlier, that you that you said that that's one of the reasons that family members or people don't want to get involved because of the mm-hmm. fact uh, they think that, you know, hey, I don't want to get involved because she's going to go back to him. Uh, those Correct. Things. But, but let's take it on, on, on a higher note because 
think about how judgmental that really is. You know, uh, the reality is is that, yes, the victim will eventually leave when they're ready. But on the other hand, we have to understand that we have to have a great deal of patience with the victim. And why is it that we look at the victim of domestic violence or abusive relationship different from we from the way we look at family members who may be uh, abusing substance? Who may I was be just about on, to say that. On drugs. Yeah. I mean, how many times that, you know, we all get together, we try to support the individual, we have a party for them, and all those things, you rah, 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 re, 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 you know, mm-hmm. and we're happy, and they... Relapse, or they go back. Right. You know. Right. You know. We have compassion there, but in many cases, and I'm hoping that those that are listening uh, that may find themselves at that place, because there's often time when we're speaking or we're doing a show or whatever, I hear people that will say, "Well, you know, they keep going back, so they must like it." Or, right. You know, it must be not all that bad. And the reality is, is that those statements could not be further from the truth. Exactly. Because I actually feared for my life. Um, and it was, it got to the point where I just felt like he just beat all of the hope out of me. Wow. You know, um, I, I just lost myself. I just, you know, I didn't care anymore. And until... I got tired. Nobody could tell me anything. Nobody could help me. They could talk to me until they were blue in the face. But I would still go back and, for in some weird way, I love. I thought that I loved them. You know what I mean? So, you know, you don't like you said. Don't treat it any different from someone that um, abuses drugs or whatever. Because when that um, addict gets tired. That's when they will help themselves. Wow. Well, we have another call on the airway. Just hold one second. Caller in at 8691. You have a question or you have a comment. Welcome to Hope and Healing, the journey to wholeness. Good evening. You're on the airway, caller. Hello? Caller, you're on the air. Okay. All right. Perhaps the caller didn't realize that they had actually hit the number one, and they indicated that they <laughs> wanted to be there. Uh, or, or, or like so many times, people are trying to listen to it themselves by the radio. <laughs> you know? Wow! And then they miss there. But um, in this case here, I think you said something that was so important. You know, uh, you know, when when we treat it, when we do take the responsibility to treat this like we would anything else, like we would. Uh, you know, uh, like we would uh, tragedies, like we would. I mean, every one of us. And here's the thing that is so amazing. I don't care how successful a family is. You will find uh, someone there who's either troubled by one thing or another. But real families found a way to do what? We're patient. We, we're understanding. We'll do those things. And yet it's still with domestic violence. Sometimes we, we find ourselves blaming actually the victim. And we right. figured that they could leave if they just wanted to leave, uh, as if it's that easy. And it's not always that easy. And right. you said something earlier with, with during the break. We kind of talked after the break, and you talk about okay. what might have worked for you or what might have been your your turning point. May not be the same turning point, or might not work for someone else. And and right. just kind of elaborate on that a little bit, if you would. Um, some people seek counseling. I did not. I I didn't. Um, for me. 
um, what helped me was years about 15 years later, not even 15 years, um, I had the opportunity to speak to him. And I think he, I saw him at um, an event, and he just came up to me and started talking to me like nothing had happened. And I looked at him in my mind, I'm thinking, are you serious? So for me, what would help me was I actually went to, we had lunch because wow. I was a, I was a different, a totally different person then. And for me to, um, it was before I got married. And I had to, for me, like I said, well, what worked for me may not work for someone else. They might not even want to face the, the abuser, but I did because I was, a total, I was in a totally different place in my life. And for me to sit down and talk with him, I, because I never had a chance to let him know how he what how he made me feel by hitting me. Um, wow. And I had the opportunity to to say that, and for him for me to express that, um, it took him some time to internalize it. But to see him visually upset and apologize. That's what did it for me because I felt like if I didn't face that demon that, you know, um, I had experienced years prior to that, I would have had trust issues bringing that into my marriage. And wow. so that helped, that helped me. I can't say that that will help everybody because it doesn't happen like that. But for me, um, I had to face, I guess, so to speak, face my fear. Um and once I released all of that, you know, I just went on and on. It took us um, hours to talk about it, but I felt better, you know, even from when you slapped me that very first time, this is how I felt. This is what your words made me feel like, you know, different things like that. Um, and and I, I was able to move on. And if I were to see him, I would ha- I would be able to speak to him with not one problem. Because I don't go back there The only time that I go back there Is when I am sharing my story And I don't revisit that With that person Well that that is powerful Those of you that are listening uh, By way of radio by phone Area code 323-784-9638 That's the number Uh, If uh, if you'd like to not only listen in But if you'd like to have a comment or question Hit the number one on your keypad And that will let our uh, producer know that you want to get in And we'll get you on uh, We're very glad that you're listening with us You're listening to Hope and Healing A Journey to Wholeness uh, I'm your host J.R. Thickland And we're right here on the Soul of America Radio And um, we are just excited to have uh, I call her our guest Because she is our guest uh, She's our guest She shared with us today And I, I'm glad that you're with us And uh, you've said some uh, tremendous things and I, and I trust that our audience that are listening Are definitely benefiting from the things they're hearing uh, because uh, I want to go back to something that you just said in terms of uh, the fact um, that, you know, you had to face this your way uh, when you felt that having that encounter, uh, that meeting with him was beneficial to you because Mm -hmm. of the fact that you were getting ready to get married and you didn't want to take that into your relationship. And and you also said you were one that didn't necessarily go for counseling, and although people do go for counseling, and that's good and that works for people. Uh, There are so many different routes. We see it happen even with substance abuse. There are people that, hey, 
they are able to uh, beat it, and they didn't go to rehab. They didn't go to that type of counseling. But one thing we do know is that until you face what you're dealing with, there is no healing there is no overcoming it, and you and you have to do it, and you have to do it not for not for someone else, not because mommy wants you to do it, or not because you know the family member wants you to do it, but because you know that you need to do it. And um, and when we make those type of decisions, and when we take that type of route, you know that's where we find strength inside of so many things, um, right? And everything. Oh, we have a caller that's also on the line uh, here, number ended in seven six eight six. Um, we're going to get them on with us tonight. Uh, good evening, caller. Let me see. Good evening. Uh, welcome to Hope and Healing. So glad that you join us. Um, yes, did you have a question or you had a comment? Hello. Hello, caller. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. I was. I am calling in, but I, I'm hearing online something different. <laughs> I'm hearing you talking to somebody, so I'm not live. Okay, you're actually live right now. <laughs> I am. Yes, okay, you are. But nevertheless, I I um I wanted to I have a couple of questions. I'm here with my husband, and we sure. we're listening to the program. Um, but I, I the, the the gentleman that was speaking, and he's he was saying that one thing that stuck out was what he had said. He he said that um that that he there was a murder suicide in his community and he said well we weren't buddy buddy and i don't say that you know against uh him or anything of that nature but it reminds me of that i think that's one of the issues that's taking place now is that uh we don't know that our communities don't we as a community we don't know each other anymore i don't know how to go back and, and bridge that gap um i have great ideas about it but it's it's been so hard and then i i i heard you speak you were talking about the church and how and it is our responsibility and but i look at the church i don't see i heard you say well the there's families in the church but we really don't see a lot of families in the church anymore we see a lot of single women with their children and we see a few men in the church and i think that just like the church has become i don't know they become uh, dumb to this issue of domestic violence, and it's really important. I was affected by it in my younger years, uh, but I, I think that we have to go back um, to the streets as well, just like the church has to go outside of the four walls to to win the souls. I'm thinking that this is an issue that needs to be addressed. And I, my question, that, that's just my comment, uh, what he said about he really wasn't buddy buddy, and I don't like I, I'm not familiar with my next door neighbor. I have such a great desire because I'm a Christian to go and reach out to my next door neighbor, but uh, because of an issue, you know, I haven't. And those those are the gaps that we have to bridge as Christians, definitely. Um, but nevertheless, my question is, where does what how is domestic uh, violence defined? Is it just defined as a man abusing a woman? Is it defined uh, also as a woman abusing a man, and is it defined as parents abusing children, or is that simple, simply child abuse? How how do you define uh, define domestic violence in its totality? Well, it's interesting that you say that because in, in most states, uh, literally domestic violence have what we call a legal definition, and then it has what we call a practical definition. And in the state of Florida, legal definition sounds like this: it sounds it says domestic violence is domestic violence 
is any type of assault, aggravated assault, any type of stalking, aggravated stalk, uh, stalking, any type of battery, aggravated battery that occurs between people that are, number one, related by blood. So that could be sister, brother, you know, uncle, auntie. It could be any of those, anyone related by uh, anyone related by blood, anyone related by marriage, anyone who may have a child in common, or anyone who may have resided un- under the same roof for any period of time. So when we look at a legal definition of domestic violence, it encompasses all of those things there. But notice it only talked about assault, stalking, and, 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 and battery, and, of course, the aggravated forms. On the other side of that, though, is that there is what we call a practical definition that oftentimes uh, in the practical uh, definition there are things that are not even arrestable. But let me go back to the point where you were talking about the child abuse of a parent and a child. We you know, uh, we have definitely separated that uh, child abuse, uh, whether it's child abuse a form of domestic violence. Yes, it is, and, and it is probably one of the most worst forms because we know wherever there is child abuse, you know, wherever there is domestic violence, child abuse is very much a high risk factor to happen as well. So, having said that, when we look at abuse happening, and when we look at uh, uh, a <coughs> Abuse happening. Uh, what will happen inside of this is the fact that we see it happening between all of these individuals. Now, here's the thing that's interesting. We do see domestic violence that does happen from woman to man. We see domestic violence happening from woman to woman and from man to man. Across the board, you see it happening because, once again, those same set of dynamics are there, and, uh, and they impact the family, and they impact the individuals in a tremendous way. And uh, <clears throat> as I said earlier, and I do think, Carla, after hearing you when you started, you might be, you might, the reason you're hearing two different shows is that you're actually listening to our show from, uh, from, last, uh, from last week. So you might be, if you're on soulamericaradio.com, you might want to go to where it says live show. If you hit the live show, then you will be, you will hear the show that's going on now, and you would hear yourself, and you would hear uh, the guests that I had on today. Um, and, and, and I'm saying that as I'm talking to you. I'm talking to everyone that's listening because there are times that when people do go to the www.soulofamericaradio.com, they'll go to Hope and Healing, and they'll hit the button. And if you don't hit the live button, you'll 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 hit a show that previously aired. So yes, I understood exactly what you were saying, and I want to go back to that point because you said something that I thought was great. You talked about neighbors. Who is our neighbors? Do we even get to know our neighbors? Do we know who they are? And do we do we intentionally not get to know them? No. Do we say to ourselves, "That's them," and I don't want to have anything to do with them? Uh, you know, they stay out of my business, and we'll stay out of theirs. Or are we the type of people that understand that your neighbors make up your community, and, and, and those neighbors uh, could be your greatest friends or allies? Uh, but if we never take the time to reach out there. And I think we live in a society today that often we have become more or less, I don't want to get involved, that's not my business. And and that's where we are. But we have to break that. You know, one of the questions was asked, am I my brother's keeper? And you can define that whichever way you want to. But I do know there is something that is uh, very solid, and it talks about, you know, loving thy neighbor as thyself. And we have a long way to get there, you know, those that are church and unchurch alike. 
Absolutely, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, at least for answering that question. I know here in the South Florida area, actually just yesterday there was, it's cross-cultural, um, but I think if we can, uh, well, uh, two things. Um, what happened here yesterday was a Hispanic uh, man strangled one of his sons and then drug his other son. I think they were like 11 and 12. I could be wrong. Exactly. I don't want to quote that, but uh, I think he shot the other in front of the parent. Um, in the kitchen in front of the mom, and she begged for her son's life, and uh, he wanted, he said that he wanted her to live with it. Again, sometimes when stuff goes out in the media, it's not quoted correctly, so I don't want to quote anything as saying that. It's just what I heard on the news. Uh, But nevertheless, if we can begin to, because I work with children a lot, and a lot of times the children that I work with have been abused or or are in an abusive situation, if we can through legislation, and that's something I want, I really want to fight for and want to work with you on um, uh, these issues and, and that the fact is if we can come and define like what we call child abuse, because they'll put a lot of money into what they consider as child abuse, but if we can redefine those those terms and say this is domestic violence, and I know you were exactly. saying earlier about a program that's getting ready to basically go off the scene because it's not being funded. Um, there, there has to be enough passion to go after, you know, uh, to go and, and, and find it and look for the money. And we have to have the people in, in for that avenue. So that's what I want to take out to the Western culture. And, and I know that we'll be meeting soon and getting to know right. uh, more about domestic violence and how we can help in the area of me and my husband where we'll be ministering at. Uh, but if we can find a way and, and speak to our legislators, uh, legislators and those who address those issues and redefine what really is. And like you said, there are, there's a term for it, but I think that that needs to be brought to the surface. It needs to be made known that, hey, you know, this child is going to school hungry every morning or being beaten by the parent because the parent is on drugs or, or whatever the case may be because I have a child in my custody uh, where her mom used to beat her for no apparent reason. If she didn't, if the child didn't know where the boyfriend was, the the the, the child got hit in the nose, and you know, and I have this child under my roof now. So it was domestic violence, but they called it child abuse, and that's how they defined it, and that's how they they are currently funding uh, the support of this child. If we can redefine it in those terms, maybe we can get funding for domestic violence and, and even help you further this cause. We we got to find something. we got to come together and bring our heads together, bring our, our intelligence together to, to make something happen. Absolutely, and, you, and definitely uh, you hit it right on the head. We have to get to know who our legislators are, are and we have to begin to not only uh, begin to write them, but to engage them in conversation. And I'll, I'll say this, you know, one of the things that is uh, absolutely uh, I consider a, a privilege uh, as sitting as a member of the State of Florida Domestic Violence Fatality Review Team is that part of our work there is at the end of the day is that after we've reviewed cases of where people have died due to domestic violence, that we go back through each of those cases, we comb, we comb through those cases with the hopes of doing what? Coming up with our findings so that we can now make recommended changes and suggestions, and we then send those things on to the legislators so that they can, uh, you know, so that they can now 
uh, fight on our behalf so that we can introduce legislation that is going to help not only uh, uh, combat domestic violence but make a difference there. So I'm, I'm so happy for not only your passion and your husband's passion to make a difference in the lives of people, and I thank you for being aboard because this is what we're going to need. And uh, we will continue to Absolutely. do so, and uh, we're going to continue to march toward it, and uh, we're going to see it happen. And that's what this is so much about. We've got to get into our communities at large, and our communities at large need to know how big this issue is. And they need to know that they, they do have a voice, and that voice has to come forth, and we can make a difference that way. Absolutely. Well, God bless you. Thank you for having me on the show tonight. I look forward to listening again. So, uh, Thank bless you, so you very Jay. Much. We'll be look forward to seeing you again soon and talking with you as well. Okay. You. And when you go back to the computer, hit the live button. It'll bring you on to the show uh, right now. If you've done so, you could you could have heard yourself right now. But uh, go to the live show and you'll find us there. Okay. I hear my listen. I hear myself enough. I'm okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> God bless you. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Bye-bye. Wow. Hope and healing. A journey to wholeness. You're listening. I'm your host, J.R. Thickling. You're listening to us right here on the Soul of America Radio, and we're so uh, uh, we're so glad. And the caller uh, that just got off, just hit uh, refresh your link uh, and continue listening online, and you'll find the current show. Uh, we did have another guest that was on. Are you there? Are you still with us tonight? Uh, yes, sharing such a tremendous story. Are you there? <laughs> yes, I'm here. Okay. Well, thank you for holding on with us. We have about eight or nine minutes left, uh, if that much, in the show. And Eric, is there anything, and I, I'm going to ask you, is there anything that you would like to leave, I mean, with those that have been listening tonight? Um, what would you like to leave? What would you like for them to know? I mean, you are a survivor of domestic violence. Uh, I mean, should people get involved? Although they have their hesitancy about getting involved, but what would you? Is there a value to people being involved, whether through advocacy, public education, awareness? Uh, you know, as our last caller talked about, you know, even to the point of uh, addressing our legislators about laws that will help us in not only preventing domestic violence but also intervening properly. I still think that there needs to be more. Um, education. There needs to be more education because a lot of, you know, our young people today, they like I said earlier, they don't know um, what to look for. And I just don't want, I don't want to just um, hone in on females because right. males are also victims because there are a lot of jealous females out there and nowadays where you have you know different sexual preferences i mean it just it it does not know effects it can exactly. be, it can happen to anyone so i i do think that there needs to be more public awareness and education um and just to let everyone know that there is no people will not judge you you know just ask for help you know, not saying that you have to, you know, make it a public, something that's that publicly known. Um, hotlines, take advantage of the hotlines, you know. Um, even people on your campus, if you're in school, um, there needs to be some type of um, advocate or, or um, a representative on your on the job at your church. You know, it just needs to be more education out there. Well, but the main uh, thing is the victims need to speak up because we, you know, people are not mind readers. 
sometimes we can pick up on what we see and the way that they act, but they're not going to get it out of you. You know, you just have to speak up. And that is so, and that is so uh, critical that they speak up, and we we know that it is, and and yet it's still. I continue to say this: is that there 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 is quite a bit of money that is spent inside of domestic violence every year, and and yet it's still. I'm concerned that still this information is not getting to the grassroots. It's not really getting to the hearts of many communities at all. There's not enough education that is there. And uh, and we do our best to continue to um, we do our best to continue to make sure that people uh, do get this information, but yet and still, you know, we need more. We need more. I mean, organizations such as mine that probably need that, that needs funding and much funding, that needs fundraising, that need people, that need the help of sororities and fraternities and churches, we have to. We have to take that stand in our community because, in fact, it impacts our people at a rate that is incredible. Um, I uh, was just writing as we were completing our book and was just writing some things here on the other night as we continue to talk about the fact that though we know it affects everybody from every walk of life, uh, and, though, and though we know that it affects people from every walk of life, the reality is is the fact that it is, it is impacting people of color and women of color at a disproportionate amount. And so often we don't see that because there's another syndrome that has happened, and that is the fact that our black women have actually been marred. They, 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 their name has been almost tainted with this whole thing when we say a strong black woman, even to the point that in many cases police officers, and we've looked at statistics in, in uh, cities that are similar sizes, that in cases where there have been dual arrests, there have been more dual arrests of women of color than it have any other ethnicity. Well, so much of the premise behind that is the fact of they have now perceived the black woman as, well, she's that strong black woman or she's sassy, and somehow or another mm-hmm. he contributed to what's happening. And it's not right. right. It's not right uh, because the fact there's still no excuse for abuse. There's still no excuse for this type of thing to happen. And so Correct. that that means that we have to step up. That means that a grassroots organization, the churches, the, uh, the different ones, we have to step up and we have to sound the alarm that this cannot be. And that's what we need. We need those that will step up. And I, and I trust that as you step up that you will join in with our voice and join in with the voice of other advocates and people that just uh, know that it's enough is enough, that you will step in and that in stepping in, that you'll help make a difference. I want to give the uh, national hotline number again. That's 1-800-799-7233. That's 1-800-799-7233. That's the national hotline, a domestic violence hotline. Well, we're so glad tonight that you've joined us here on Hope and Healing. You can find us here every Monday. That's every Monday evening. Every-